Hey guys, Brad here. Are you a new investor or are you a seasoned investor that enjoys the podcast, but you just can't seem to wrap your head around notes and subject to creating wraps as well as the various other things that I talk about? There's one thing that I see that is really common with most real estate investors, especially wholesalers, and it's this. If you aren't creating notes, then you are leaving more money on the table than you are actually making. If you want to change this in your business, then reach out to me at brad at bradsmotherman.com. We are opening our apprentice program in just a few weeks. And in this program, we work together on deals, one-on-one, and we profit share in your local market. Are you ready to have a real mentor instead of just buying another course? Reach out to me, brad at bradsmotherman.com. Hey guys, Brad here with another edition of Investor Creator. And today I just wanted to take a quick moment to introduce you to my good friend, Keith Yaki. Now, Keith, I met about two years ago at a coaching event and I actually ended up in the hospital with appendicitis in the middle of Los Angeles. Now, I don't know anybody from Los Angeles. It was kind of an interesting scenario, but I was in the hospital for about four days. And it was kind of funny because when I told everyone, hey, I'm not going to be able to make the rest of the event, Keith actually reached out to me and messaged me and said, hey, you know, I met you the other night. Uh, if you need anything, let me know. I'm happy to leave the event and, and come hang out with you or whatever. And I appreciated that very much. But I mean, he's such a genuine guy and Keith's done it all. So this is a guy that's raised $45 million in private money. And he did that and flipped a ton of houses in Las Vegas, not during the best of times, but during the worst of times of that crashed market. I mean, it's one thing to do a lot of transactions in a good market, but it's a whole different animal completely to do what Keith did in a crashing market and do hundreds of transactions a year. He's also done some multifamily transactions as well, syndication, but he's going to actually give us real actionable advice on how to create more private money for our business than we actually need. And so you're going to want to listen to that. So without further ado, here's Keith. Keith, welcome to Investor Creator. Dude, I'm so pumped to be here, Brad. Thanks for having me. What an honor. Yeah. So you have a pretty colorful background. So you were actually in pastoral ministry at, in your younger days, correct? I was, yeah. Okay. So tell us how you got involved in real estate to begin with. Okay. So very simply, man, I did the pastorate thing. I left the pastorate for no other reason than I wanted to go do something other uh, else. And right at that time, my mom was passing away from cancer. So I went back. I was selling insurance at the time. I could take leads in her neighborhood. I went back and basically lived with her for the last 90 days of her life. And I'm sitting there with her in her hospice bed, in her sunroom, watching TV every night. Now, up to that point, I like never watched TV. And I'm watching this show, like the, a flipping show. And the guy on there was a total buffoon. He didn't know how to handle people at all. And my mom looks to me knowing I had a, 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 also a construction background. She goes, Keith, you could totally do this. I'm like, yeah, and I can do it better than that guy because he has no idea how to interact with people. Right. But I thought he, and they said like maybe he made 21 grand on a house. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But that seems like a lot of work to make 21 grand until I realized he was doing like 10 or 15 of those a month. Yep. And then I was like, oh, that's a different metric. Okay. So it was at that point that I looked the guy up on TV. I bought his course, went through his um, entire program and everything. And uh, within the first two years, I had done 185 flips and I was hooked. Wow. 185 in the first two years. I mean, so that's a lot of scale really quickly. Yeah. And that's because I did like my first maybe seven or 10 all by myself. 
And I met a guy who was a wholesaler. He actually wholesaled me my first deal. But he was one of these guys that would, you know, put his money into a deal and have to wait. And then he'd get his money back out and then he'd go do another one. And then he saw me come in and I bought a deal off of him. And then I bought another one off of somebody else. And I bought another one off of somebody else. And he's like, dude, you're doing three deals at once. Like, how rich are you? I didn't have any money, man. <laughs> I, I had a couple of private lenders that I met early on and I married it with hard money. So I was like, okay, well, I've got, I've got investors who go do this. Once those three flipped within the first, uh, I think it was like maybe 70 or 80 days, they'd all kind of sold. I made like 90 grand that month. I'm like, this is the business for me. I'm all in. Let's go. So that's actually how I got started. And what market was that in? Las Vegas. That was in Las Vegas. When everything was going to hell in a handbag, it was like 2008, 2009, when everything was going down. So you were even riding the wave down, you were able to take buy equity and flip out of it. Yeah. That's yeah. all. Because I was able to get such sweet deals and I, and I just learned that relationships were the most important currency. So one of the biggest, her name was Brandy White Elk. She was the biggest REO specialist in Vegas. We had the identical same car. She worked out at my gym. So one day I went up and introduced myself to her and started talking shit to her about how my rims were better than her rims. And we just, we just became <laughs> buddies. So like every day she would be sending me five or seven properties. She's about ready to release on the market. And I would pick, you know, the one or two that I thought was great. Like, and I would, I would have first dibs on everything. And that just shows, goes to show, I mean, the, the power of relationships, it, it cannot be overstated. You know, you, you yeah. can have one relationship that will completely change your life. And, and most people I find in this business have something, some kind of story along those lines that yeah. one person that they met and it's like, okay, complete change of direction. So that, that makes a lot of sense. So at some point, it sounds like you had to raise a lot of private money. Yeah. Okay. And how much private money have you, you raised? I mean, cause you've raised more than anybody that I personally know. You know, last time I calculated, it was probably 45 or $46 million to do all of our deals. Yeah. And so, and you, you have kind of a, a basket of assets that you purchased with private money. You've done single family, you've done some multifamily kind of tell us like, the difference in, in asset types that you've done. Yeah, well, some of it, some of this stuff happens by accident, right? So um, I was flipping a ton of property. And then, you know, a lot of people say, you know, don't invest with family and friends and that type of thing. And I agree with that at the get go. I didn't go ask family or friends. What I did was I went and proved I could do it. And then I let family and friends then come ask me, which I think is the best way to do it. Because they're like, wait a second, your car's amazing. Your office is amazing you guys are going on doing cool stuff. What's really happening? Now, these are the same family members that were making fun of me when I was watching the reality TV shows. They're right. like, why do you waste all your time doing that? Because I'm like, I want to be that one day. And so I was doing a bunch of single family flips. And then uh, a family member, a guy who was big in the timber industry, somebody came to him, asked him for money. And he told his son, I don't want to give that guy money to do deals. The person I'd like to give money to do deals is Keith. So his son came and told me that. So then I pitched them an idea because we were able to find a bunch of properties, buy them, renovate them, and have them all in for $30,000 or, we or less. We called it our 30K PPP plan. And that was like our purchase property plan or whatever. And they gave us a, a million and a half to go buy a bunch of deals. And so we started buying single families. And then somebody found out that I helped people. So I took his fourplex over subject two and it started cash flowing like $900 a month. I was like, Oh, that's a fun game. Mm -hmm. So then an auction came up to buy a fourplex two doors down from that one. And I bought it 
but I felt like I paid $10,000 too much when I'm like, oh my God, I made a big mistake. What the hell? Called up my bank. I bought it for like 68. They tacked on a $5,000 fee. So call it 72, 73. And uh, I need to put like 35 grand into it. So I was into the thing for like 100, 105, 110, somewhere in there. And my yeah. bank, said, we'll give you 135,000 on it because we think it's worth 200. Oh, wow. I, I said, wait, what? <laughs> Come and, it, and it cash flowed like 500 bucks a month after that. So I was like, hold on a second. I'm going to get flip money in my pocket and I get to hold on this thing forever. Mm-hmm. And it changed my mind. I went and bought 13 more of those fourplexes in like the next three months. And then next thing you know, you're starting to deal. I started to, you know, reach out to the Marcus and Miller chaps and those types of guys. And so then I bought a 27 plex, a 33 plex, a 40. So I just started, I got excited about this model and that's, that's how I got into it. And then in the process, I'd bought like 80 single families and then just all multifamily all the way up to 44 units. So I just started realizing the numbers make a lot of sense. Let's, let's go do this too. Yeah. Yeah. So did you find it was difficult to raise that kind of money that fast? Probably initially, but then I, re- first of all, raising private money, and, and I know that's kind of why you have me on here is because that's what I'm an expert at, right? Is it wasn't actually easy for me at first. I used to have to have a mantra in my head that raising private money is easy. I'm a private money raising machine. That's the mantra I had to get in my head because I was so damn nervous, Yeah. right? Like, and I had to have this mindset shift because most people think of raising private money, Brad, is can I borrow your money? I need to borrow it and I'm going to go do this thing and hopefully it works out. And it's this, can I beg and borrow you get money from me? When if you actually flip it, you say, hey, I have an opportunity to help you make money. Let's go make money together. So once I switched my mindset to, I've got an amazing opportunity, I became an evangelist for it. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. You know, I'm a big believer that there's more capital than good transactions. Yep. You know, and especially good people behind good transactions. Yeah. So if you're those two coupled together, then you're going to have, if you have a good deal and you're a good stand up person, that's going to stand behind the transaction, whenever yeah. they come. I yeah. don't think they're going to have trouble as long as they know what they're doing. And that's what you know, is you know what you're doing when it comes but, to. Can I say this though? Most people think that because I had these mantras that, and I actually did it, that it may have been easier. I didn't have any hiccups. The truth of the matter is my very first three deals I tried to raise money for all fell flat short of the goal line. And I was really dejected and super like, shit, maybe this doesn't work. Yeah. Like, no, no, man, dude, I grew up playing football, man. There's always four downs. Let's try this one more time. So I, and, and it worked and, it, and I did amazingly well on that fourth one. But the, the thing is, is I just wasn't going to give up. I saw other people do it. And I think a lot of people probably listen to this podcast have the same mentality. They go, hey, if that guy can do it, well, I can do it too, right? We all have enough ego to be able to say that and it not be super exaggerated. So that's yeah. how, that was my mindset. If, I can, if they can do it, I can do it. And that's why I wasn't going to quit. You know, to talk about that real quick, there was this video that I watched probably 80 times before I'd ever bought a house before. And there's this guy, he's actually a friend of mine. I hadn't talked to him in a couple of years, but uh, he, he became a pretty decent friend of mine. And, um, but he was, he was like kind of quirky, but he, he had bought $80,000 in equity across three transactions that month. And so one of the limiting beliefs that I had whenever I started is, well, I'm, I'm too young. You know, it's like, I'm 22 years old. I looked 18 and, um, you know, I'm too young to do this business, but it's like, well, here's this guy in Dallas and he picked up three houses, made $80,000 in note. And, you know, he doesn't, he's no different than me, you know? Yeah. And so that, that makes a lot of sense, man. And, and it's just the, the power of having community, you know, people to, to bring each other up, you know, yeah. and we've talked about that in private, but so one question, 
just so the audience knows, I mean, what's the difference in private money and hard money? Okay, so the way I look at the difference, because even right now, hard money is so cheap. Like I just did a hard money loan at uh, 8.5% interest, one point. Like mm-hmm. that, that's cheaper than a lot of private money I've raised in the past. When, when hard money used to be two or three points, 12 to 15% interest. Dude, my very first hard money loan was six points, 22% interest. Oh my and I made $34,000 on that deal. I'm like, I'll pay you that all day long if you give me a check for 34 grand. So what happened and what I noticed was, this is the distinction. Regardless, it's because it's not how cheap it is. It's not necessarily how fast it can come to you because hard money lenders are fast nowadays. To me, private money and hard money, the only difference is, are you talking to the person that can actually pull the trigger or do they have to go to a committee and get approval? So a private money person says the money's in my pocket or in my IRA or I, I'm a custodian of my family. They, I have 100% authority to make the decision. So that, to me, that's, that's the clear distinction on what can be a difference. And then the, the secondary or minor distinction is a lot of private lenders will lend 100% purchase price, closing cost, renovation. Whereas hard money lenders they tend to be like, hey, we'll give you 90% of the purchase price and maybe 100% of the renovation if it only goes, doesn't go past 70% or 75% of ARV. So it seems as if hard money lenders have a little more restrictions on how much they can lend, um, and whereas a private money guy just says, listen, I'll, I'll do the whole thing. Those would, be, those would be the two major distinctions, but really the first one is uh, trigger pull. And that makes sense. And that kind of leads to my next question, which is there's a lot of big box sort of, of hard money retailers out in the market right now. So, you know, one of which is like Lending Home. You have Longhorn out of Dallas, which is kind of becoming more regional. And it looks like that there's more and more competition, like you said, because like we said earlier, there's more capital than, than assets to put the capital right now. So, you know, it's like driving the price down of these rates. But do you recommend dealing with these big box or, or big box companies, or is this just a total disaster waiting to happen? Actually, I think they're great. But with the prices going down, I've noticed that the qualifications have gone up. So they do check more on your credit. They do. So what's your most recent experience? What's your credit score? And do you have some assets either to put down or to make sure you can make these monthly payments? So I found that hard money kind of maybe five, 10 years ago seemed a little more wild west, but with the advent of how famous flipping has become, the lending homes, the, uh, and, and, and a host of others, like you mentioned, they've come in to where now the rates are really cheap. 8% hard money. Get the hell out of here, dude. When we have ever experienced 8% hard money, right? But they want a 650 or better, or to get that rate, you've got to have a 700 or better. So that maybe they'll give you at 9% because you only have a 650. So I actually like the big box stores. I use civic financial out here in California. There are people that I use and had a great success with, but you're going to need to find a gap lender to fill in. If you don't have, if you don't like hundred percent financing is out there, but you might have to get it from a couple of different sources. So I actually do like it. I think local hard money lenders, um, tend to be great as well. So I don't have a lot of real beef with hard money lenders. The big thing I always tell people and warn them of is anybody who's charging an upfront, a massive upfront fee, they're probably not real. Yeah. And I've always wondered, you know, there's those Facebook pages that are like so-and-so private lending or whatever, or, you know, uh, cash for deals, Facebook group. And I'm like, and there's all the time someone posting in there, you know, yeah. and, and some of it's just ridiculous. Two to 4%, no points, no 
personal guarantee. It's like, they, yeah. you know, that's not real. Right. But uh, some of them, it's just like, it just seems like an odd place to transact. And you really wonder if it's real or not. Yeah. I, I haven't found a lot of those people to be real. I have some criteria that I'll ask uh, hard money lenders and be like, hey, what are the last three deals you've funded? Show me the act. I, I want to see them. Like, let me, let me call the people that you've worked with. And because here's the other thing is sometimes people, when they're getting in this business and they don't have a lot of money, they feel like, oh my God, I really hope a hard money lender picks me. When right. reality is terrible frame. What's that? Which is terrible frame. Oh, 100%. And it's not actually a true frame. The real frame is these guys are spending money on ads to hope you pick them. Right. Yeah. You know that's what right. I mean? You're the hot girl in the bar, dude. Like, act as this. Act, 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 act like what you really are, man. Because I can go with Civic, or I can go with Lending Home, or I can go with Bayview, or I can go with. There's seven people, and I'll even I say, hey, listen, Civic is telling me they're going to lend me an eight and a half and one point, and you're telling me ten percent and two points. We're not even in the same conversation. Would you like to reassess where you're at to see if I might want to go with you or not? It's up to you. Yeah, it's like abundance brings choices, yeah. you know, and, and that, that's amazing, you know, that you frame it up like that. So let's talk about somebody that hasn't raised a lot of private money. There's a lot of people out there listening to this that want to raise private money. They really don't know where to start. How does someone begin to, to have that conversation or find the people that are, are possibly interested in lending? Okay. So I, I keep it real simple. Go to the place where somebody likes what you like and they have what you need. Right. So if somebody likes real estate and has cash and they're into lending, that's where you want to go. So where is a great place? And, and a lot of my students that have come through my program, this has been one of the first places I send them. And it's almost without fail. They come back going, oh, my God, Keith, my mind's blowing. And it's at the courthouse steps. Think about who's at the courthouse steps. People who like real estate and they either have cash or they're representing somebody who has cash. But you're going to have a multitude of those people representatives of people buying for people who have cash or people with actual cash that are buying there. Why is that a great place to go? Well, A, you can go there to find people who have cash and say, hey, listen, are you looking for good deals? It's a great place to wholesale your deals to people because what are they there for? Looking for great deals. But it's also a great place to say, hey, listen, I do bring good deals across. I get good deals. Is this something you'd like to join venture with me on? And sometimes they'll say yes, because here's what I've noticed. If a guy has cash, most people aren't used to raising uh, enough money to do multiple deals. It's not in everybody's DNA to think, hey, how can I scale this? If one deal is good, five would be better. Sure. Most people think, hey, I've got a half a million dollars cash. I'm going to buy a deal, wait for it to flip, take my profits and, and put that half a million dollars back out there, right? And so right. what happens is that guy needs deals. So sometimes he might be at the courthouse steps and be like, I couldn't get a deal. I, you know, some, I got outbid. I couldn't get a deal. And if you bring him a deal, he'd be like, rather than him just sitting on his money and doing nothing for the next two months, he might be like, shit, I'll join venture with you and I'll take 70% of profit and give you 30% of the profit. Well, if you're just getting started and you're wanting to learn the process and learn the chops and the mechanics of how it all goes, you would take that deal all day long to build up your credibility, to build up who you are and to build up what you know, to be able to go to the next guy and say, hey, listen, this is my track record. Would you like to do a 50-50 deal? And then right. you, so rather than equity splits, then you can start getting into debt lenders, which will only charge you a percentage of interest on the actual money. Yeah. And, and that makes a lot of sense, man. And what you said there, the first thought was all these people buying these, these courthouse pre-foreclosures, 
Uh, all is a big word. Let me digress on that. A lot of them are overpaying. And so if you have a really good deal that you're going to actually find off market because it's not an auction, then you have a really, really good chance of making that work because you're bringing a real equity position to them versus, you know, kind of a, a mediocre deal that they're buying at, at the courthouse step auction. So absolutely. That can I, can I, I want to add one thing on that because people who are saying maybe just starting off and thinking, I've never done this. How is anybody going to take me serious? Right. And that's a big thing because truth of the matter is if these guys do have cash, they want to know it's going to a credible spot. Um, so one of the things I teach, and I want to share it here with your audience, because I think they'll get a lot of value out of this. And that is don't just go with the back of a napkin to somebody and say, Hey, I, you know, I, I'm going to hope to find a deal. I'm going to hope to do this. I'm going to hope to do this. They're going to be like, cool, we'll go do that and come back to me. Right. So what I found is if they build a credibility package the right way, no matter if you've done a deal or not, you can, your, your credibility can go through the roof. And it'll take me about a minute and a half to explain this. Um, but let me explain it because I think this will probably be more helpful for your listeners than anything else. So what I do is I call up a realtor and I ask her to send me three deals that have been done in the last 30, 60, or 90 days. Done. Completed. Flips. And most realtors, local realtors, they all know like, oh yeah, that was a dog shit property. Now it looks like a diamond. Like most realtors know, you know, that property. So I, I have them send it to me, but I also have them send me the agent full report. Reason being is I want to know who listed that property. And the reason I want to know who listed that property, because I want to call them and say, hey, I saw the property on 123 Main Street. Great job. First of all, I'm an investor. I would like to buy, I'd like to buy a house like that. So put mine on your buyer's list. Second of all, do you know who the contractor was who did that deal? And they're like, yeah, of course I know who it is. So you get a realtor who actually understands what flipping is because most realtors don't because most realtors are in the buying and selling primary biz, uh, residences. Secondly, now you get a contractor who understands, you know, what you're doing. He's a type of flip contractor. He's not like this custom home builder that's going to charge you $7 a square foot to paint it. He's in the $2 or $3 range, right? Third, you now have a before and after picture of a property. You have the purchase price. You know the renovation cost. You can just calculate the closing cost if it's an all-cash transaction. And then you can put what the profit is. You can do that. Why is that important? Because now I can go to an investor and put three of these properties on and say, this isn't just me on the back of a napkin hoping to do a deal. Here's three deals that all made money. And oh, by the way, the contractor that renovated, the, 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 the realtor that acquired the property and sold the property, they're all ready to go to work for us. And the question is, if I bring you deals like A, B, and C, would you be interested in investing in a deal like that with me? And all I'm getting is a verbal right there. And of course, they're going to be like, well, yeah, that was an 18% cash on cash return in four months. That was a 14% cash on cash in three months. And that was a 22% cash on cash in six months. Of course I want to do that deal. Then I go, awesome. I'm going to go find us one of these. And when I bring it to you, let's rock. Most people don't know what to say to an investor and, and they don't have, they don't have any credibility. But once you found a realtor that's done it, a contractor that's done it, and it's a, a property that's actually profitable and you can show it to them. And you're not saying this is mine. You're saying this is the competitions out there. It's being done right now in our backyard their credibility transfers to you now and they go, wow, you know how to find all the information and the people who know how to do this. Cool. I'm a lot more interested in doing a deal with you than if you just came to me with the back of the napkin. So I know I kind of talked faster than that, yeah. but dude, it's, it's so powerful because I think that people fail to plan and plan. No, no plan is, is uh, planning to fail. Yep. And so um, just the amount of 
of work that's that's in that. I mean, you may find a, a, a transaction in the middle of that just to begin with. Most likely you do. You know, and, and, and sometimes when you ask the realtor who did the contract or the, the realtor would be like, well, it was, it was, you know, Jeff, but let me give you Greg's number because Greg's even better than Jeff. And now you've got two contractors who, when you do get a deal, you know, they know what I'm doing. They can send them over. They can give you a bid. And, and, and it's how I build out teams in any area I go to. Well, that, that's so perfect, man. That, that's incredible. So it sounds like, um, and I've always wondered this, it's like chicken or egg, which comes first. It's like deal or relationship. So yeah. it sounds like what you recommend people do is get, even if you don't have a deal, start building the relationships and get that, that, uh, that package together so that you can, can then go and start making those relationships on the front end, you know, deal or not. Is that right? hundred percent. It's the very first thing I do. If somebody comes into my program, I go, go build a credibility package. If they come back a week later saying, what should I do next? And they haven't built a credibility package. They're going to get a little bit of a scolding. I'm like, no, you've got to go build this or else you're not credible. You have to build credibility. So, so it's like you, it's like you bringing a deal that's already been done. And, and if you've actually done deals, even better, even better. Hey, here's deals I've done and show a one or two that's been done in your area. So that way you're saying, because all we're asking for in that first meeting really is, can I get a verbal? Yes. Can I get a verbal? Amen. And once they give you that, then you go, okay, cool. Now I have somebody that I have a little bit of a relationship that I could actually bring a real deal to. And it's not just like, Hey, you know, who are you or whatever? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. So we talked about finding these people at the courthouse steps, the pre, the foreclosure auctions. Um, I know that my personal chiropractor, he said, well, Brad, you know, if, if you ever have a deal, if you ever have anything going. So it sounds like maybe those professionals that we are, are around at times, friends and family, we've kind of talked on that. Is there another way to, to generate, are we going to like the, the next rung in the sphere of influence or are we beginning to market at some point if we need even more private money than what we've raised? Like, how do we go and, and raise more than just uh, the sphere of influence of, of people that we know and the, the people at the courthouse steps? Okay, cool. So everybody's at a different part of their journey, right? You and I have been down this road. We've done hundreds of transactions and, and our credibility speaks for itself, right? Some people are at the very beginning, they may have done one or two deals or some people have done none. And so my advice might be a little bit different per person, but if you've done no deal, you got to build a credibility package. You got to go to the courthouse steps. You, you can look up public records and see who has lent private money. It's very, there's public information. You can go right into your counter recorder of deeds and you can look up, you know, under mortgage and or deed, find out who the mortgagee mortgager is. And if you're like, well, obviously if it says Chase Bank, that's a bank. If it says community credit union, that's a credit union. But then you'll see like Tom Jeffers. And you're like, oh shit, that's a private guy. You can click on that, see if you can find the document. If not, you have to go in into their office, have them pull it up and you can get some mailing list. And you can then mail to these local people that are lending on private money. They are there. It's already proof. They already are lending. It's right. everything in real estate, you know, public information for the most part. So they're already interested. You can start up a conversation that way. Um, another great way of doing that is, and there's obviously a whole process to that. I'm, I'm skimming it for obviously for sake of time, et cetera. But you know, we, we just did a recently a deal and my, I let my mom be a part of it. And she's awesome. I, I sent a letter. I, she wanted to be a part of it. It's not like I'm like, you can or can't be, but okay. She sure. was part of the deal. Mom comes with the money. You let mommy put the, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and she wants oh, yeah. to, and you know what I mean? So, but the before and after pictures are absolutely stunning. What we did to this. So what she did was she showed 
a bunch of her family and friends. Look what we did. Well, she has cousins that all have money, that all have bosses that have money. Dude, she raised like a million, two million dollars, like verbally off of one picture. Yeah. So if you've done a deal or two, start sharing it with your friends and let people know, hey, check this out. Now, I, I don't recommend going to friends and family first unless you have something that you've done because it shows that you've done it. You don't need them to do it, which is a lot, a very powerful position for you. I don't need you, but maybe I'll let you into this. But it was really interesting. You know, one of her cousins, like I have a few hundred thousand dollars and my boss has a couple million and we're interested. So bring us deals. So that's how I would say another great place to go is to closing attorney's offices or escrow and title offices and say, hey, have, you know, you probably sign off or see more private notes being brokered back and forth and signed and created than anybody. Is there any, and, and just ask a simple question. I have a bunch of good deals. Would you mind reaching out to any of these private investors and see if they'd like to lend with somebody else? And if so, give them my number. Oh, how simple great. is that? Yeah, that's great, man. That's so great. So let's say we've, we've done our, our package, it's getting out there, we have people that we're setting up that appointment with. And I think that you're really great at the power position that we have and that we have places for money to go safely, okay? How do we get into the conversation to where we're able to control it? And do we talk about interest rates and terms or do we let them talk to us about that first? That's a great question. So two things, number one, there's a credibility package that shows how credible we are. Second of all, when you actually get a deal, I create what's called an investor package, which is deal specific that shows this is what it is. Here's the comps. Here's why it proves that our ARV and what we can sell it for actually is what it is, right? Okay, so that I send it out to everybody that I've already talked to with my credibility package and I let them know first come first serve, you're going to have to act quick on this. And so that way, you can get in the situation, and I, and I call this investor nirvana. This is the greatest saying ever. Investor nirvana is being able to tell somebody, that one's been funded, but I'll definitely keep you in mind for the next one. You might have to act a little quicker on the next one. I mean, dude, there's, there's no greater thing that you can say to private lenders than that, right? Because now you got them stacked, and they're like, oh, shit, if Keith brings me a deal, I'm going to have to really hurry on this one. So I, I give it to everybody. I don't give it to one person to say, hey, let me know, and I just, it's, this is this money talks bullshit walks and this is there's no more truer statement than that in private money. So that's the first thing. What was the did I answer that question or what was the second thing? There was a yeah, second the, the, the second one part of it was when we're talking about interest rate and terms. Do we want to quote like oh we're going to allow this rate and this amount of points in this term? Got or it. Do we let them come in with that. Okay, perfect. So that depends on how sophisticated the investor is that you're sitting down with. So if somebody's already doing deals. I always ask first, okay, cool. What are you getting right now? The reason for that is because they say, hey, I'm getting 4% and um, what can you offer me? Well, I can offer you six. Backed by a deed of trust so that way if anything happens, the asset still is, is there. Because if I go in and say, hey, unless I'm going to give you 12% and two points and they're like, oh shit, I'm only getting four. You just gave away a lot of the farm that you didn't need to give away. Right. But if you go in there and say, hey, I'm only offering 10%, but somebody says, well, I only do 12% deals. Now you just cut off a potential person that could give you 12% money. And when it really boils down to, especially with flipping, 10 and 12%, there's not that much difference when it comes to how much more interest you're actually paying, especially since it's only gonna, you're only going to have the thing for four to six months anyway. So you're talking a deal where you could have made 34, a deal you could have made 29. And you just push an investor away because 
you preemptively. So I always say, what are you currently getting right now? That's if it's somebody who's already lending. If nobody, if they're not lending at all, I would ask them, are you investing in anything else? And what are you making on that? They might go, well, I'm in a CD and I'm getting 1.2% interest. Okay, cool. Well, how about I give you 5% interest? You fund the whole thing, I'll give you 5% interest. And then you start from there. And then you, you, so I always ask, what are they currently getting? And then I go from there. Man, that is so good. And, and the big takeaway that I got from that, guys, is, you know, if you're quoting and they're used to getting more, now you're having to chase that person. You know, so if you say, well, I can pay 10% and the guy says, well, I only do 10 and a half. Now you're having to, to well, let me relinquish what I was saying to you. Yeah. And then fruit was broken and we're beginning to chase as opposed to, I mean, what you said about the emails going out, like, okay, here's a funding opportunity, 30 people. Let me ask that. So if, if you're a newer investor and let's say you need to raise a, a million dollars, which I've found to be fairly easily done and you set up 10 appointments and you know all of these people are serious and that they have money, is there a certain conversion rate that you see to hold true that you know, maybe out of 10 people, you'll be able to secure two or three or should it be more than that? Or I guess it, it's a, a quite a question. It really depends on the person in the deal. Yeah, I, I don't have a conversion metric on that. That would hold true for myself or for others. I actually haven't tracked it. It's interesting. I love your distinction on the last thing about relinquishing control and having to chase. I hadn't put that together in my mind. So I'm actually glad you said that. And then the third thing I want to say about that is, uh, actually two more things, third thing and then fourth thing. Third thing is a lot of people think that private money, you either have, you either have the gift or you don't. It's, no, it's a skill. Mm-hmm. Now, people probably look at me and go, oh, it's e- no wonder it's easy for you. It's easy for you and I now because we have so much confidence in our, we built a, a wall of confidence brick by brick, house by house because, well, we've just spent years doing this. But I want people to know if they're scared shitless at the get-go, join the club. I was too. And, and even a lot of people, friends of mine who don't do a lot of private money still are, even though they've got mad real estate chops. Fourth thing is the conversion is interesting because it all depends on the, the person and depends on the quality of person you're talking to. So I don't know how to answer that, man. I would just say um, ABC, man, always be closing without, yeah. without being, without being a... Uh, uh, an MLMer, you know what I mean? Like nobody wants to be uh, a pampered chef rep because every t- well, people do want to be that, and that's not a problem. But dude, who wants to be the person at the barbecue, the family barbecue, that's always like, "Hey, do you need a new spatula? Come on over to my party." Like everyone's like, "Oh, run from Jenny, dude. She's gonna try and sell you, oh, you yeah. Know, yeah, Amazon juice, right?" Well, it's always the most fun thing to go to Panera or Starbucks and. It's like you can kind of see, and it was, it was definitely like this during the Great Recession. It's like you can say, oh, well, they're definitely selling something. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just watch so it. the other thing, other thing I think I can really help with people is what's the opening line? How do you open somebody? The opening line for me is if you're already making double-digit returns on the real estate, just say, hey, what's up? Go, man, I'm making double-digit returns on my real estate deals right now. If you're ever interested in making money, let me know. That's so, it's so like, man. Yeah. Like, yeah let me they know. Go, right. And if they go not interested, cool. How about them Astros? You know what I mean? Like you keep it yeah. simple, but most pampered chef type people are like, dude, I'm doing real estate, man. You want to learn how to make some money? And they're like, whoa, easy, bro. But right. if you do say, Hey, I'm making double digit returns. Or if you're not making double digit returns because you're brand new, just say, Hey, I'm looking to make double digit returns on my real estate investments. If you're ever interested, let me know. That way you're putting it out there. If they go, dude, I'm totally interested. The next step, 
which most people really mess up is they then vomit everything they know about real estate because they just learned it at a seminar or watched one of our programs or whatever. Yeah. Don't do that because what's going to happen is you people go, whoa, that's too complicated. Never mind. Or they're going to go, wow, that's pretty easy. I can do it myself. And neither of those responses raise you private money. Right. So just say, hey, listen, you know what? We buy, we buy uh, distressed assets, we fix them up, and we sell them for a profit. Next time I get a deal that comes across my desk, I'll shoot it over to you and show you how we can make money together. Done. Let yeah. that mind go crazy. Like, well, what does that mean? And they're going to ask you some questions. Well, where do you buy? Well, we buy them from all over, sometimes auctions, sometimes this, but we have, we, they, have to meet, they have to meet our criteria so that we don't ever lose money. Mm-hmm. And so that way it's just like, because I really want to put a deal in front of them and show them how stupid simple they can make money on the deal. I don't want to explain everything in this theoretical abstract idea. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. So for I, sure. I'm, I'm jamming a lot down everybody's throat right now, but I just, these are things that most people make mistakes on. Very big, like, oh, don't do that. Stop that. So, and, and to go to that, what do you think the biggest mistake is that people make when they're, they're beginning to raise money? They think that the person they're talking in front of them is the only person with money. I call it one-itis. Yeah. And, and we see that with sellers too. It's like, you know, you, you go to what appears to be a good equity deal, like you're going to, the, to that one appointment and because you don't have another appointment and then another appointment, it comes across as needy. And I'm sure it's the same way when you're raising private money. Identical. It's, a, it's, the exa- it's, it's the guy who can only text and only fixate on the one girl that he's got to be with. You know what I mean? Yeah. And she's like, whoa, this guy's desperate, creepy. And uh, it, yeah. people, it's, everybody's the same thing. Nobody wants to have to fix you. Everybody wants to be on the winning team. Absolutely. And, and people want what other people want. It's like yeah. the herd mentality. And it makes a lot of sense. Is there anything else you want to talk about, man? This has been just such a, a fun episode and, and definitely one of our best. You, you've dropped some really great gold nuggets right down in the, the audience's lap. And I appreciate that very much, man. Anything else you want to talk about? Just very, very simple. Um, there's a temptation for us to think that other people are different than us. They're better than us. They, they have a better advantage than us. And the truth of the matter is none of that is true. It's just somebody who has the, the gumption, the boldness, and the belief in themselves to say, I'm going to do this. That's the person who wins. I've met a lot of very successful, stupid people. Oh, yes. It, they're just, you're like, wow, that's not bright. They were dumb enough to keep going right. and give up. And that, I, I have a lot of respect for that. A lot of smart, quote unquote, smart people get so in their head and they let themselves sell themselves out of a situation. Put the opportunity out. If somebody says no, it's not on you. That's their situation. Don't take it personal and don't give up. People are listening to this podcast because they want to invest in real estate. They want to grow their real estate business. They want to better their life. And the answer is don't give up. Commit to learning this over the course of your lifetime and there's no way you can lose. That man, that's just killer. Keith, for people that are interested in in learning how to raise private money, how can people find you? I just say go to uh, www.privatemoneypro.com. I mean, that's, that's, it's where I have a bunch of videos. They want to YouTube Keith Yaki. I have a shit ton of raising private, uh, raising private money videos there. But going to privatemoneypro.com is just the very start where they can go through. I have a ton of videos through there explain how we do it and, and, and even probably have an opportunity to chat with me on the phone if they need help. Guys, if you're interested in private money, you definitely need to reach out to Keith. Keith is very, very good at what he does. Definitely one of the best in the country at raising private money. 
it's been too long since we've been together, man. LA has been uh, about a year and a half ago, so we're going to have to get together and we can talk about we that. we got to change that ASAP, dude, because I yeah, totally hang out with we'll, you, man. We'll, we'll bring uh, Las Vegas down. Yeah, baby. I love it. Thanks, right. man. Appreciate it very much.